Today is all about Bo, a 2D platformer inspired by Japanese folklore being developed by Squid Shock Studio. Say that 10 pounds fast. Ladies and gentlemen, we talked about the gameplay, we talked about the story, we talked about the developmental journey. Don't take my word for it. It's time to get into the interview. How big is your team right now? We have a, te- a core team of two, and then we have two kind of freelancers working on it. So it's me and uh, one of my best friends, Trevor Yonquist. By the way, I'm Chris Stair, and I'm the lead artist and the creative director on Bo. So we have Trevor Yonquist. He's the programmer. I do some programming too. I did like the base code, but he's he's taken it to another level. Then we have an animator whose name is Mikami Art and Moises Carmago. He is our composer because he did the music for Fox Bat. Yeah, which is uh, which is the game jam game we did, and uh, we were impressed. This guy, the directions we gave him for the music of the game mm. were make a cross between Indiana Jones theme and Lavender Town from Pokemon. <laughs> and he had no like problem. He was like, all right. Sounds and good. he did it. <laughs> yeah. So so I was just like, this guy's great to work with. He knows his stuff. And then he started producing this great music, which is another thing. Like the music for this game is incredible. I I can't take too much credit for that, but um, that, that's something we're really putting a lot of work into. And then Mikami Art came, uh, I, I honestly don't remember when she came on, but like she really impressed me with her, uh, the way she animates fabric. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's always something I've had trouble. I, I, I'm, I do some animating, but by no means am I an uh, animator. And uh, I was like, oh, that's perfect because a lot of our characters are gonna be have these flowing robes and such. The name for the game, where did that come from? Bo is the Japanese word for staff. Basically, Bo means staff in Japanese and Bo's weapon is a, an earring that shapeshifts into a Bo staff and among other things that it shapeshifts into. Tell me about what kind of drew you to platformers as a genre. What made you kind of want to make a game in that category? And then what kind of drew you also to the Japanese folklore aspect of it? This is the first game I'm developing. And for a lot of people, kind of the first foray into the game dev space, a 2D platformer is kind of like the standard. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a well-established genre that you have a lot to pull from and kind of like people recognize it. The the mechanics are kind of familiar and it's something I felt really comfortable with doing. Yeah, what about like the Japanese aspect of it though? Because it really leans into like the different folklore aspects, which fascinates me because that really kind of sets it apart from other platformers just because you don't see that a lot in a lot of games. I've always been really attracted to Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. I'm actually half Japanese. My mom's Japanese. I grew up without a little bit eating Japanese food. We would travel to Japan every now and then. I've been in Japan a few times by myself also. And it's just, there's so much to pull from in Japanese culture. It's a culture that maybe Western audiences are kind of vaguely familiar with, mm. but maybe not like more of the nitty gritty stuff like yokai and like all the, the old folklore that really builds this rich uh, variety of traditions within Japanese culture. So it kind of serves as almost like an educational style alongside of a gameplay aspect as well. Sure, yeah, you, you, you could learn a little bit about it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So kind of with that in mind, tell me about the game world itself, right? The art style behind it is hand-drawn. I always love hand-drawn games because I feel like it adds like a more personal aspect to it. It kind of sucks you in a little bit more. So kind of talk to me about the game world and talk to me about the art style behind it. Personally, I have always been drawn to more of the hand-drawn stuff, mm. the same as you. Like hand-drawn over realism has always just interested me a little bit more. And over the years, there's been so many good games. Like we're heavily inspired by Okami. Mm-hmm. These games all are eye-catching, right? Mm-hmm. 
But so like the game world itself, kind of talk to me about as players go through, I guess, each level, kind of tell me about the world they're going to be exploring as a whole. Like, this is a very broad question, but kind of like first off the leveling structure itself and then just kind of the different areas that that players will be able to explore. So we have a few different areas, you know, all the staples, like the snowy area, the kind of like a green forest type area with like moss covered lanterns, a red bamboo forest area, cave area, of course, you got to go with the cave. And then kind of like a an ancient Japanese style metropolis, which will serve as the hub world. And they will be interconnected in a way. The level, the way I was reading how the levels are going to be structured was kind of interesting to me because while it is a platformer, it felt like there was going to be a lot of circling back ability and a freedom and exploration and for a for a platformer that's fascinating and i wanted to know kind of how exactly that's going to work as you play within the game itself all right so in the beginning of the game it's going to be fairly fairly linear you're going to start and learning just just basic movement stuff until you master it and once you reach the cave then a bunch of areas will be teased within the cave area that that will be our second area and you'll start to see that there's what we call locks in metroidvanias mm-hmm. where there's an area that you can't really get to but it's it sticks in your memory so you're like okay i have to come back here and then eventually once you read the reach the hub world it'll open up quite significantly we're planning to have all these interconnected quests and and as for how to how we incorporate platforming into that mm-hmm. we've been uh, experimenting with a few things but it's going to be kind of like a Celeste style screen by screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know how the the screen shifts over during Celeste. Yeah. So th- there'll be there'll be platform sections interwoven between a, a larger story. Um, it's largely narrative driven, but we we, we want to make sure that the platforming feels really fun and it's not sparse. So you've touched on very briefly. You touched on the hub world itself. Um, I believe it's Sakura City. First off, where is that hub within the game itself? So how are players going to be able to find it and access it? And then once they do, can you kind of explain what it is as a whole? Once you get a certain ability. After completing the cave area, you're able to reach a new uh, area, which is, I'll just say, it's not too much of a spoiler, it's the bridge area. Mm -hmm. And the bridge area is going to lead you into the rest of the game. You will be able to return to the the beginning stages Mm -hmm. at at a later point, but uh, the red bamboo forest and the crimson bamboo forest, sorry, and the the cave area are going to serve as kind of like a tutorial. Okay. That, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So once you kind of get past that, that would give you access basically to the hub city and the rest of the game itself in a way. Exactly. So is the hub city, is that kind of like, is that kind of your home base in between levels once you get past that tutorial is in a sense, is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. So you'll be passing through uh, Sak- Sak- Sakura city after you're completing areas or doing whatever th- things we have planned for those areas. And there's going to be shops and crafting type stuff there. And there's going to be a ton of characters in that area. Certain like buildings will unlock at certain points. You know, if you if you unlock something in one area, maybe the event system will change within Sakura City. So some new event is happening and you have to decide what to do accordingly. Okay. Based on that. This help, it helps push the story forward. Gotcha. So outside of kind of that, is it going to be a place where you can, you know, do crafting or activate side quests, like that kind of thing? Or is that kind of going to be something that's dispersed within the levels themselves? Uh, well, both. We'll have we'll have side quests in the 
in the levels themselves. And then within Sakura City, there will be there, there's one big quest in Sakura City. I'll just say that that involves kind of the end game. In Sakura City, one of the first things you'll see is this looming pagoda that you don't have access to. Um, but it, it'll, it'll always be in the player's mind, and obviously they'll be able to figure out that you know that's kind of where I'm trying to go. How do I get there? What are the things I needed to get there? And the story will unfold that way. The crafting element actually fascinated me because while it was never like specifically talked about within any of the uh, press kit or anything like that, it felt like something that probably was going to be present within the game itself. Um, so it was an assumption on my part, but kind of if it is part of the game, how does it impact it? The crafting, you're collect you can collect resources. So there'll be destructible items that are unique to certain areas. Like for example, in the in the bamboo forest, you can cut down bamboo trees and collect that wood. In the cave, you can mine certain minerals or whatever. So we're using that kind of resource gathering element as a way, like a carrot on a stick in a kind of way to get players to backtrack to areas that they've explored, they thought they explored fully before um, to get this whatever resource they might need. And those items will be used in various ways, one of the main ways they're going to be used is you're going to use them to brew tea. Okay. So th there's a whole tea uh, thing going on here. Tea is kind of like the mana in the game. Mm -hmm. um, but it also, you can brew these specialty teas that give Bo his core set of abilities, you know. Will this game kind of have multiple endings? Um, will it have these side quests that impact your overall story in certain ways? Um, kind of how does that work as you play? The multiple ending thing is, is extremely difficult to pull off. Mm -hmm. It's not something I'm totally closed off to doing. But as as of now, we, we don't really have that that planned. Tell me about the story behind the game itself. How it unfolds, where it starts, and I guess you can't say where it ends, but kind of where it goes from there. The first area of the game is the Crimson Bamboo Forest. But when you open up, when we open up in the first scene, it'll go right from the menu into the first scene. You're you're on the moon and you see a spark of light, kind of like an orb, maybe a moon tier. We haven't quite decided what to call it yet, but it starts descending from the moon and towards you. And then you're going to be passing through the trees. We get some um, of the environmental stuff going on and it lands on a lotus bud and that bud starts a transformation and Bo pops out. So in a way, Bo's not really a fox. Mm. Sorry uh, for people who are fox lovers. <laughs> but, I mean, he looks like a fox, so that should be enough. Yeah. Um, he He's just a, a, a spirit that kind of takes the form of a fox. And then with the story itself, since you guys have been working on this game for a little under a year at this point, is the story something that's still kind of evolving at this point? It's not fully finished at this point, or you kind of have a vision for where you want it to go and what you what you want it to be? It, it's very character driven. So pretty soon on in the in the adventure, you're going to meet a character called Sahi, and Asahi is going to serve as like this narrative element that pushes the plot forward. I'm not going to say too much, but he he has some underlying issues. He's kind of this pompous guy who tries to take advantage of Bo for his own means and uh while he's annoying at first his character the character development's more actually about him mm. than bow because because you're the players playing bow um they can ascribe whatever attributes to bow that they want kind of he's like the silent protagonist like link or whatever mm -hmm. the character is really driven by the the characters you meet within it um so i saw he's gonna drive the plot forward with his underlying issues are the npcs within the game itself are there going to be quests where you take them along with you are there going to be quests where you can recruit them to help you out with certain things there's not really a party system with the npcs that you meet there are something we that we call dharmas okay 
Those dharmas are characters in themselves, and they can follow you along on the quest. The dharmas are, I think I should explain like in a broader Japanese cultural uh, context of what dharmas are. Mm -hmm. They're little paper dolls. You probably know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You know the Pokemon Dharmaka? Yeah. yeah. It's based off that. So it's, it's like a red circle, and they don't have any pupils in their eyes. Uh, they're made of paper, and they don't have any pupils. And the idea is that when you get a dharma, you, you make a goal. Okay. And you fill in one of the pupils. And then you're not allowed to fill in the other pupil until you, you've completed that goal. So when you receive a dharma, you'll receive dharmas from various places, mostly from NPCs. And the NPCs will attach a quest to that dharma. So initially, the dharma will have a perk. So they're, they're also the perk system in our game. Once you complete the quest for that character that you received a dharma from, you're, you're able to fill in the other eye. And that first ability becomes enhanced. Okay. And the idea right now is to carry three with you at a time, or be able to uh, equip three. So with that in mind, tell me about the gameplay. Um, tell me about the bow staff. Tell me about the abilities that that has, um, kind of how it evolves as you play. So in the beginning, you don't have anything, and but pretty quickly, you'll, you'll, you get the staff. And uh, one of the first abilities you get that is pretty core to the game is the bat ability. That ability is basically a throw, all right? So... You'll be able to launch enemies with the combat system, and once they're airborne, you're able to lock onto them. Mm -hmm. There's a time dilation that happens, and you're able to aim where you want to hit it. Okay. To be honest, the combat is not really core to the game. Mm -hmm. It's more about using the combat system in order to gain movement. Okay. So, so for example, another really core thing to our game is like a, a, the jump reset. We call it the bump, mm -hmm. the bow jump. Working title. I like but it. Basically. Yeah, that's pretty good. You you jump, you hit something in the in the air with your staff. You're, you you reset your jump. Okay. So it's essentially a double jump, but you have to you have to earn it. Okay. You know, it's not just a double jump. And that mechanic, which is a mechanic that uh, I honestly stole from Dust Force, which is another game I really like. You might see some similarities between Dust Force and our game if you're familiar. So in Dust Force, when you hit like certain or or any enemy or certain elements. Mm -hmm. They, it resets the jump, and I thought that was so cool. It's like a double jump, but you have to earn it. Yeah. And with the bow staff, is that the only thing you're going to have throughout the game as a combat tool or as, as something you take on enemies with, or are there, there going to be other things that get introduced as you play? Right, so the bow staff is, yeah, the only weapon, but it's kind of misleading because it turns into other weapons. Mm -hmm. So it turns into the baseball bat. Is there any kind of turns? Is there any kind of long range attack within the game? Not at this time. We've played with that idea. We played with that idea, but it kind of changes the gameplay quite a bit once you act, once you include that. Yeah. But we have uh, Altis three. We have the bat. We have like a a stilt where we're. It's kind of based off the Legend of Wukong, where his stilt is able to grow. Okay. And that's that's kind of a, a mechanic to gain. Y height instead of a wall jump we have that and uh a grappling gun okay there's no specific skills tree within the game is there a way that you're going to be able to like upgrade your character's health as you go through the game his armor stuff like that will that be part of it yeah there'll be certain um items that will give you hit points okay we're gonna have like a style where each you get hit once you lose one health okay and that'll be depicted right now by a, a lotus petal that's kind of falling does that re um, does so it regenerate or is it just once you lose it you're done for that level you can regenerate it yeah you have a teapot mm -hmm. and your teapot holds your tea in it so you have the teapot and your hit points the tea is again is like the mana yeah so you can expend the tea by drinking it and while you're drinking it you're vulnerable and you have to complete a the animation cycle 
and then it heals one hit point. Yeah. What is proven to be one of the bigger obstacles um, as you've progressed through to your development, whether it's, you know, something within the coding, something within the key concepts within the game itself, just a core idea that didn't quite work for some reason, like what kind of proved to be the biggest roadblock for you guys? The roadblock, I think that really is is for any time any person who's making their first game is not knowing what the hell you're doing in general <laughs> I, I kid you not if you saw the prototype i did for both that i was extremely proud of by the way mm -hmm. at the time it, it it's i would never show that to, i might show that eventually but it, it was so <laughs> primitive mm -hmm. and how far we've come like how much i've learned with the unity engine and even just developing myself developing myself as an artist yeah I can't believe it. And I never would have done it without doing, like, just developing this game. Mm -hmm. um, but there are so many things you have to learn in game dev. You've probably heard this a million times over. But you have to wear so many hats as an indie dev that it's 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 overwhelming on a daily basis. Exposure is a big part of the indie world, especially today, because you have so many platforms so many competitors is that something you guys at this point ever think about are worried about because exposure is a whole different animal at this point and i know a lot of developers will say they spend you know 20 percent of their time on the game and then after that it's like 80 percent of the time just trying to push out an awareness for the game to kind of bring in an audience so kind of where are you guys at with that i mean i would say like 90% of the time is panic. <laughs> and then the other 10 is like related to the game. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm just kidding. But um, you don't think about it. You think, oh, I'm going to make a game mm -hmm. and I'm going to make a game. That's all I'm going to do. Make a game. Yep. There are so many things you don't think about. Uh, marketing being probably number one. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, um, the sheer amount of places that, that you have to market is, is insane. Like it's all about balance. You know, we've thought about bringing on another team member to kind of help manage that stuff. Our Discord server has been really helpful. People hosting our stuff, and um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't really have a great answer for that at this point. Yeah, you know, we we haven't been in the game too long, so any advice I would give would be ill-founded. <laughs> With but we're we're hanging in there. We're doing all right. The game looks great. I mean, the game looks very impressive. You know, you guys have been working on it for a little under a year at this point. So, I mean, what you guys have is really cool. The trailer is really solid. With that in mind, though, moving into next year, kind of what's the roadmap from here out, right? So from here to release, kind of what are you guys going to be doing? Is there going to be a Kickstarter? Um, is the demo slated for a specific time? Kind of how is that going to unfold? Right. So the next big milestone for us is the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we we wanted to launch it a little bit earlier but unfortunately you're not it's it's against the rules to launch your kickstarter in december or to around the holidays is that a rule um it's the unwritten rule ah. you know of kickstarter like that that is um explicitly stated as the worst month possible to do a kickstarter and i don't think we'll be quite ready by november because we are preparing a few things for the uh award reward tiers yeah that won't be ready by then and we, we just want to do it right. We want to like make it worth people's while to back us. So I'll announce it here. I think I've unofficially announced it in some places, but we're going to be doing it on February 1st. Okay. And that's kind of a soft date. You never know things might change, but we will give a huge heads up to everyone um, when, when the Kickstarter launches in advance. So. And what about, so will it be like a demo that releases alongside it, or is that going to be kind of later down the line? That has been a point of contention because... 
you might be aware that the Steam Next Fest is also February 1st. Yeah. And then also, Silk Song is like rumored to be coming out on February 1st. Um, that's something we're also trying to dodge a little bit just because. No one's going to care about any game, let alone ours, <laughs> when Silk Song comes out. And I just got to give it up to Team Cherry because, you know, they're legends. But um, we need to do it very strategically. Mm -hmm. And while the Kickstarter is like a big, important milestone for us, I think the game launch would probably be slightly higher. Uh, higher yeah, higher priority than that. But we're discussing it because our initial plan was to do it with in tandem with the Kickstarter. Kickstarter, next fest, get the buzz going. But I think at this point in time, like people are excited enough about our Kickstarter that we'll, uh, I'm pretty confident that we'll reach the goal. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Squid Shock Studios, and that is the upcoming game, Bo. I had a great time talking about this title. I really like the Japanese folklore aspect of it. I really love the art style. It looks like it's going to be a very special game. But don't take my word for it. Check out their social media pages. They're all down there below. Peruse them. Support Squid Shock Studios. And make sure you come back for more. I am Nick. This is the SideQuest. Take it easy, y'all.